This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And what I, I do in, in terms of clearing and energy work is just to visualize our grounding cord, you know, the grounding cord connection to the earth and just invite my body to breathe into that feeling, allow it to exhale and release down the grounding cord. And whether or not I have evidence of energy releasing or not, I get a sense of feeling of release in my body. And then what I can do is start to feel into, well, what does safety mean to me right now? And then maybe I conjure up an image or maybe I have a safe place in my life right now and or maybe I don't and I, and I can still conjure up an, an image you know I could imagine being just wrapped in a blanket and just being held here as safe conjuring up those images and bringing the felt sense to the, the cellular body does something the seven chakras swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My7Chakras, my7chakras.com, the place where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. In today's episode, I chat with author Wendy DeRosa about topics such as being an empath, clearing energy, uncovering subconscious imprints, how to avoid taking on other people's energies, and how to strengthen your own intuitive gifts. So if you like these topics and if you'd like to support our efforts, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button or hit the follow button on your iPhone or maybe if you're on Spotify so that more people come across this episode and we're able to grow. It's funny how this works, but when you hit subscribe, you automatically tell the algorithm that you like our show. 
And before we actually begin today's episode, I wanted to read out a wonderful iTunes review by a user named Lou on iTunes. And she says, or maybe he says, AJ, thank you for sharing this podcast with us. The ideas you tie together, along with your mode of straightforward and empathic expression, helps me feel seen in a way my life was missing. I feel like I finally have some true soul guidance to help me understand what I need in my healing journey and how to get it. Grant me to read out your review as well. Then make sure that you go to my7chakras.com forward slash review my7chakras.com forward slash review and I'll read out your name as well as your holistic company if you'd like. So with that being said, let's bring on our guest for today, Wendy DeRosa. So Wendy, for someone who is listening right now but hasn't heard about you before, could you tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Well, I've been an intuitive energy healer for 26 years and I am the founder of the School of Intuitive Studies an author, a teacher. I support people in developing their intuition, clearing the energy in their body. And I also am a faculty member at the Shift Network. Um, I have done a course on, on Mind Valley Silvana channel. And um, this is my becoming an empowered empath is actually my fourth book. So it's out now. I'm very excited about it. And I know we'll be diving into more about that one. Absolutely. And it seems like that is a topic that a lot of our listeners are really interested in these days, especially me. And sometimes you come across people and opportunities and experiences based on what you need most in life. So I'm really excited to dive into today's um, episode. But before that, maybe if you could tell us where were you born and brought up? What was your childhood like? Yeah, well, it feeds into the story, actually. It's interesting. Um, So I was born in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I um, am the oldest of eight, second, excuse me, oldest girl, second oldest adult child, child of of, uh, eight children in a big Italian Catholic family uh, that I grew up in, in, um, in that, and it's, I mean, I can say a little bit about how that fed into being an empath, but essentially it's, as you can imagine, growing up in a, in a big environment and, and there isn't a lot of space and there's a lot of, um, I was very sensitive and so I uh, absorbed a lot of energy as a child. I was very, very intuitive and I talk about this in my book, but I, I had all four Claire's as a child and I didn't, I could say that now, I couldn't say that back then. All I could say back then is I was, um, you know, I was living an experience of overabsorption and eventually gained a lot of weight as a child, eventually developed anxiety and depression and had a nervous breakdown in my teenage years um, from energetic overload and oversensitivity and a lot of internal pressure. And out of that, I, um, started to pursue a calling on, um, I don't even know what it was. It was a heart calling to, um, to explore more of what my gift was at the time. And, um, yeah, found a healing teacher and sort of fast forward. I, um, I have, I had sessions clients for, you know, a good 10 years by the time I was 30, I had 500 clients from word of mouth. Facebook didn't exist back then. And so then I started developing trainings and teaching people how to develop their intuition and 
And um, that, you know, it's been the past 10, 15 years of, of doing that. Um, but it came, but my, my discovery into my gift certainly came out of um, an extraordinarily overwhelming oversensitivity experience as a, as a child. Mm. Right. So you say oversensitivity and at one point you also said energetic overload. So what did your life look like as a child? What were some of the challenges that you had to yeah. go through in the midst of your large family? So I was, you know, I was a very um, in-tuned mm -hmm. child with what everybody needed around me. And I was, you know, I was ultimately the oldest child, I, I was sorry, the oldest girl, child, I, I moved into a sort of a, a secondary mothering role for my siblings. And, um, and I learned how to put my needs aside completely and take care of my siblings. And so I was, um, when I was young and growing up, I didn't, you know, I knew how to change diapers at the age of seven. I knew how to stay home with the, my siblings when I was eight years old. I mean, I was the, you know, I, 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 I um, I was put in, I was in a role of responsibility very, very young and, but growing up and, you know, and there were a lot of pressure, there was a lot of pressures in our, our family economically, you know, we, we, we didn't have much growing up. And so I was, um, you know, we were eight kids, we were, I, you know, I, we didn't have a lot of money, we were, you know, Things were handed down to us, which I mean was a blessing, and we're very grateful. Sometimes villages help each other out, <laughs> you know. And then we were that family that had, you know, had church donations and things like that. And just growing up in our in my childhood, and then I went to work at 12 years old, and um, we, you know, we had phone bills. We had we didn't have phone. We didn't have water. Sometimes we didn't have electricity. And so I'd go to work and um, babysit, and then I would have to um, help pay some of the bills at home. And, you know, and that continued the majority of my teenage life. And I, I just didn't have a playful childhood. I didn't have the high school years that, you know, I, I think people rebel and you know, go to parties. I don't, I don't know what, I mean, you know, others did. And, and that, that wasn't my, my life. You know, I, I went to school and I went to babysitting and I went to work at a bakery and I went, I worked all the time and because we needed it at home. And, um, and, and then it just got to the point where at 19 years old, when I had gone off to college um, I had a nervous breakdown in my third year of college because I was, you know, a lot of that, you know, from that pressure that I lived through, you know, I was very, very responsible. And sometimes that responsibility was internalized to where I had an inner pusher. You know, I had to do well. I had to get, you know, I, I wasn't someone who skipped out on doing papers or things like that in college. And I and so there was internalized pressure on top of conditioning. And by the time I was 19, I I just had a nervous breakdown, and um, I felt this call from within. I was living in Boston at the time, and I wanted to, you know, I saw this picture of Colorado in a magazine. I mean, again, 
internet wasn't what internet is today. So I didn't even think we, I don't even, I don't think I even had internet back then, but you know, I saw this picture and I, it just felt like, ah, that's what I need. I need space. I need to breathe. I need, you know, I, it represented something for me that I never really, um, understood, you know, that back then. And so long story short, I ended up following, I, I ended up, but I didn't realize that it wasn't really about Colorado. It was about my intuitive abilities and my gifts opening up to me. Um, but there's another piece of the story that's actually incredibly important, which is that, you know, after the nervous breakdown, I was recovering in my dorm and I had a roommate at the time and we were, we were walking, walking down, we went for a walk and I was trying to decide, do I, do I, you know, quit, leave school now, mid semester, forfeit tuition, forfeit, you know, you know, life, just quit. And we were trying to make the decision, do I go home now or do I stay and finish the semester? And I, um, we went for a walk down Newberry Street in Boston, and at the time there was this big Tower Records on the corner, and I was, we were walking and talking, and this man is on the, the street corner carrying a ukulele, and he's wearing this red jacket, and he says, he says, can I sing you ladies a song for some spare change? And we were engaged in conversation. And I said, no, that's okay. And then he says, no, Wendy, you need to hear a song. And he calls me by name and he says, forget about the change. I'm going to sing you a song. And I look at him. He gets down on one knee and he has a glow around his head this way. And all I could see was this like red jacket and this glow. And he sings this song that says home on the range where the Buffalo roam. One day you'll get to Colorado. And I'm in shock that this is happening. And he says, Wendy, it's not your time to go yet. You're going to get there. Hang in there. And he gives me a, he stands up, gives me a kiss on the cheek and then vanishes behind me. And my roommate and I had just witnessed this together and we're looking at each other and looking back and this guy is gone completely. And at that moment, I had a profound healing of the anxiety that I was, that was so deep and so um, hardwired in my being that there was a transmission healing there on the street, you know, and this, here in Boston, you know, and we were giddy walking down the street and just kept saying, I can't believe that just happened. And we both knew it was an angel that we just encountered. And that was the moment that was like the pivotal moment through which I would say I had my first awakening. And I finished the semester and I did end up moving out west and I found a healing teacher and then my journey started to begin learning about chakras and all different aspects of healing work. Um, but it came out of that, you know, that breakdown and that incredible divine intervention. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because as I look at it, sometimes the universe finds opportunities to pass on a message to us. 
And that could be in the form of a magazine or maybe something that we read or maybe a conversation that we have. And oftentimes when this happens for the first time, we tend to ignore the first instance. We feel that it's maybe just circumstantial or maybe it's, you know, it's just my mind playing games on me. But when it happens again and again, especially in your case where that that person, that angel came to you and specifically right, gave you a message when it happens multiple times, then you sort of get an inkling and an idea that maybe, no, maybe it's my intuition trying to communicate with me. Because from time to time, I also, you know, a couple of months back, as I was crossing the street, I live in Vancouver. And if you're in Vancouver, you can always see the mountains far away. And you see the snow-capped mountains. And it felt as if the mountains were calling to me and, and telling me, what are you doing here? You need to be up in the mountains. And sometimes, you know, nature has a way of speaking to you, right? Do you find that also? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I love even the part you said about how sometimes we don't, you know, we get these yeah. signs and we get these intuitive, you know, nudges, messages, and then we don't always listen yeah. to them. And I think that that was like a good part of my 20s was that I I felt an awakening happen and a journey but I didn't, I felt too young for mm. it. I knew I was being called into healing work and being a, a healer, but I felt at my age, I'm not yeah. ready. I didn't have a rebellion yet. I well, haven't been a kid yet. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. And so I, I denied it for so long. And, and those, and that the chaos that ensues when we deny, you know, those callings. Mm -hmm the calls to the mountains or the calls to stepping into your gift or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like we, we, we navigate a lot of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> when you don't listen. What comes to my mind is that movie by Ben Stiller. Have you seen that? I forgot the name of the movie, but it's all about him, you know, doing a normal nine to five job, but at the same time having these dreams and aspirations and these visions of just escaping, just going away from the status quo and he does that in that movie i forget the name of the movie and if someone's watching this if you remember the movie let us know in the comments but uh wendy you talk about the term personal conditioning what does that mean to you yeah so conditioning is the it's the it's the bonding experience that we receive in in childhood it's essentially the 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 family of origin or the societal structure mm. that gives us teachings that become inherent in our in our body in our mind in our energy system and we um, another word of another way of saying it is it's our inherent energy it's our implicit biases it's our hard wiring these are some other sort of different ways different um, synonyms I guess to this conditioning mm -hmm. um, it's essentially the energy we were raised in that might include our belief systems and sort of the the unspoken codes and rules and beliefs and um, ways to survive our system, the system that we're, we're born into. Interesting. Yeah. And so I guess part of the journey is firstly finding out what are these conditionings that we've been conditioned to over the last couple of months or years. And through this conditioning, I think what you've implied is uh, one of the byproducts of the uh, intuitive's life or the empath's life is being able to sense the energies, right? 
because the more we do the meditation or the breath work or maybe journaling we get to connect with our own energies but also the energies of others around us whether it's one person or maybe a group or maybe collectively as well we tend to take on those people's energies their stress their angst their worry their anger as well um and so especially because of what we're going on what we're going through collectively right now uh, the divide the fear and anxiety driven by the you know the global virus so tell us more about this sensing into this group energy this collective energy and how the, how can this affect us if we take on this energy mm-hmm. sometimes without even knowing you know it's so powerful right now because you know i obviously i wrote this book on be, being an empowered empath and i can uh, and and yet so many people are having empathic experiences right now in the world whether or not they identify as an empath and part of it is because you know we are certainly in a massive collective uh upheaval a necessary one where what has been suppressed in an oppressed in our system so going back to the conditioning question i mean part of what you know conditioning isn't negative it helps us survive in a system and yet we are evolved we're an evolving species the human human beings are we continue to evolve and therefore the systems that we have been raised in are are only going to last for as long as you know as long as our awakening allows them to be and then they become outdated systems and so our conditioning might have been appropriate for the system and the time and the era of our survival but now as spiritually progressing souls that that conditioning becomes outdated and so here we are collectively in the time where the system is being rocked the patriarchal system ultimately the fear based system the system where of control and oppression and suppression and you know superiority over populations like this whole dismantling is happening and it is it's ugly it's painful and it's stirring truth and it's stirring trauma and it, and so as when trauma collectively stirs in the in the in the field it certainly touches on our own individual traumas and it's sort of it's it's both it's like our individual traumas are 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 awakening to us and that that's part of what feeds into the collective and vice versa the collective trauma touches our personal traumas well that's important and it's not it it's painful and it's hard it's not negative it's necessary and it's necessary for us to start to look at you know where have i been living patterns of suppression and oppression and powerlessness in who i who i am and how have how has the collective you know also participated in that either as a victim or a perpetrator you know in it and how are we going to heal these systemic pieces that we're holding in our body and so ultimately what happens is the empath has this powerful job in the world the empath's job 
is to be able to feel the subtle and to be very in tuned with the needs of other people and with emotions and with the sun and the moon and the tides and the stars and the earth and with the creative process and the empaths the empaths need connected conversation they need vulnerability they need truth they don't need to be lied to they don't believe it if they're being lied to i mean this is empaths are really leading away in terms of 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 compassion and connection and unity and they're also experiencing at the same time the um the uprising of personal trauma and collective trauma and that might be a big word for some it might not feel like it's trauma for some people but history lives yeah. <laughs> it li history is unearthing action tribe we're going to take a few moments to thank our sponsors because they are supporting us today Action Tribe, one of our goals of this podcast is to help you calm your mind. And maybe you've tried meditation in the past, but it hasn't worked for you yet. I invite you to try out Headspace, a simple way to experience meditation and mindfulness, even if you have just five minutes. And I have a free invitation for you to try this out. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use mobile app. It's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. And according to a research they conducted, just 30 days of Headspace lowers stress by 32% and just four sessions can reduce burnout by 14%. If you are overwhelmed, Headspace has a 3-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind down sessions their members swear by and for parents i know many of you are parents headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids just this afternoon i listened to a beautiful 10 minute guided meditation that helped me relax and calm down the fact that there was no music just the teacher's voice and silence made it really tranquil and i also love their sos section where they've got meditations for overwhelm burnout panic or frustration which are experiences that many of us are going through right now in the midst of this global situation and if you like to meditate live with others they've got a live guided session happening every 30 minutes or so you deserve to feel happier and headspace is meditation made simple so go to headspace.com/7chakras that's headspace.com/slash S E V E N C H A K R A S for a full 1 month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Action tribe, you got to try this out cuz it's for free. Head to headspace.com/7chakras today. Action tribe, you're going to love this free experience, but you got to use this specific link so that they know that Action Tribe has arrived. Go to headspace.com forward slash seven chakras. And now back to our episode. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. And I guess trauma is an understatement because I'm sure that a lot of people, um, including me, are going through this challenge right now. For me, it started... last year you know when it when the you know virus just began but more recently 
maybe about a month and a half back uh, i had this uh, deep set intention to experience uh, some plant medicine so i did a mushroom journey and i really went deep within opened up to so much synchronicity and understanding what this universe is all about then i had a 3 day juice cleanse just juice and that opened me up even more to the subtle layers to everything that i was experiencing and it felt like i was opening up a lot of the trauma and then my mom in india got diagnosed with covid and then she went into the hospital then she mm. went and now she's in the ventilator and that brought about for the whole family so much of trauma ups and downs roller coasters but also in a in a good way that allowed me to be more vulnerable in my requesting my community members to pray to heal to send chanting for my mom and the response that i got was overwhelming in a positive sense that all the people leaned in together to chant to heal to offer blessings to my mom and so i totally get you when you when you share that you know we're all going through this together and we either you know find our own separate ways or we come together and realize that we're not that different we're all going through our own challenges and our personal struggles and we're better together right yeah absolutely it is it's it's a it is as more um empaths and human beings yeah. ultimately through vulnerability or sharing their truth and ex- and 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 experience that they end up making it possible for someone else to share their truth and their experience and therefore feel a sense i keep your feelings mm-hmm. and don't share anything about yourself and don't trust anybody and and that those might have been beliefs that that were necessary during a particular time of survival yeah. and now our time of survival is i need to know i'm not alone in my experience mm-hmm. and that's where empaths and the or people who are empathic it's not they don't always have to identify right. as an empath but people can say gosh i'm you know i'm i relate to what you're saying and i'm with you and i i get it and that helps me feel a sense of belonging it's very powerful yeah absolutely and in your sharings you also talk about the upper body intuition and then the lower body intuition so how are they different yeah so the lower body intuition is the empathic intuition and the claircognizant intuition and specifically the first three chakras are the empathic power centers and the claircognizant claircognizant can also include the heart but it's essentially the the claircognizant relates to the knowing sense in the body people who are claircognizant will say i know because i know because i know and i can't tell you why i know i just know and they might have a they might get the chills they might get body sensations they might need to go for a walk and their downloads come they just get things kinesthetically through their through their body and empaths are um more clairsentient and clairsentient relates to the first it actually relates specifically to the second and third chakras of the body and those are the subtle chakras there there are there are relational chakras relation to people and to our to our our horizontal connections and um attachments on this physical experience and so the job specifically for the second chakra is to feel the subtle to feel what's going on beneath the table to be in tune with you know the feminine and the sensuality and the and the vulnerability and 
and empathy. Those are all qualities of, of that, of the feminine nature, being in tune with emotions. So that's all very lower chakra, lower body intuition, upper body intuition, um, which, and the heart's sort of between both. The heart relates to both lower and upper. So the upper body intuition is going to be more about the clairaudience and the clairvoyance. So I, I, um, I see intuitively pictures or images. I hear um, higher guidance downloads, or sometimes I hear my lower body. Also, I hear my intuition from my inner child or from my heart. So upper body intuition, sometimes I would say, these are some definitions people like people relate to is where mediumship and psychic might be more related to upper chakras, whereas empath. And what happened are in conflict with one another. Maybe your upper, you know, uh, yeah. your upper intuitive is saying one thing, but your lower part is saying the other, your sacral chakra, your solar plexus and your root is saying something else. How do you decide, you know, what to choose and go through this? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, first of all, I would just back up to say that everything, the intuitive system, whether, so let me say this, anyone can be upper and lower, so it doesn't have to be either or. Some people are both um, and activated in all four aspects of intuition and maybe others. The root chakra area of our body, which connects us to the primordial sense of safety, security, attachment on this physical plane, nurturing, and grounding is essential for our intuition. It's essential for our upper body int intuition and our lower body intuition. And one of the things that can happen is that you know, we can be raised in environments where it's just not safe to be completely dropped in and embodied in the first chakra specifically, second also and third. And that sometimes can happen when innately we were raised in, 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 in environments where we got it somewhere verbally, non-verbally, pre-verbally, that it's not okay for me to be me and I can't be, I, I don't belong here, I don't feel safe being myself in my body. And so what happens is the soul will disconnect ultimately from the consciousness of the root chakra and live higher in the body because that's safer. It's safer to be in the mind. It's safer to be in the front of the body, which is ego consciousness. Back body is, is soul, is connecting to our, our spirit and our higher self. So if I were intuitive and I got and I was um, maybe I was strong in my upper and lower body intuition, and my gut is saying, don't do that. Like, listen to me. And my mind is saying, well, that seems amazing. And my heart really wants it. And I could give myself 15 reasons why I should do this. Um, if the lower body, the lower body intuition is very related to our, our emotional needs, our met or unmet needs. 
in the lower half of our body. And so if my gut is saying, hang on, this isn't working, pay attention, do some research, my gut is trying to ground me, is trying to slow me down. Upper chakras on the intuitive level is fast processing. Lower chakras are slow processing. So empaths, if you are a slow processor, own it. <laughs> I am a slow processor. I need to take my time and I will get back to you when I know for sure, when I've sat with it, when I've run it through my system. So sometimes my, I mean, my advice in that case is when the two are in conflict is that you come into grounding and that you tune in to that lower voice that's saying the opposite and inquire, you know, what is this about? You know, is it a gut fear I have to process or is it something I need to listen to because I need to pivot from what I'm trying to, to decide? So, yeah, that would be my. Very interesting. Response. And I love that uh, suggestion that you have is to have a dialogue, maybe mentally or maybe through journaling and connect with either your root or maybe one of the three chakras and you know, explore what message might be coming through. And connected to that, you talk about the root chakra contraction, right? Mm -hmm. So how does this contraction play out in life? Or maybe any examples that you can share? Yeah, so if, um, if I'll say this just in first person example, mm -hmm. yeah. if I were raised in an environment where um, there was a lot of projection of emotion, maybe yelling and screaming, maybe there was belt boundary crossing, maybe there was maybe there was trauma. Um, maybe there was an extreme amount of control to where inherently, innately, I get it as a again, pre verbal, I mean, before the age of three, I get it that I need to contract my own connection to myself. I need to shut down to myself on some level so that I can abide by the the you know the the conditioning that I'm being raised in, the 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 nonverbal unseen um, teachings that I'm getting at this age. So I'm gonna get inherently inside my body that it's not safe for me to be me. It's not safe for me to belong here. I, do, I can't belong in my body as I am because I'm getting expectations of how I'm supposed to be instead of validation for who I am. And this happens in parenting. This happens when we have been raised with outdated consciousness too in parenting, like children are meant to be seen, not heard. When we've been punished for our emotions and our authentic nature wasn't validated, we start to essentially the root chakra contracts. And it's a fear contraction that happens, but it's also self-preserving. It does it to protect us. And what happens at that point is that the second chakra will compensate. And it may compensate also by closing down or it might compensate by opening up. But what will happen in the imbalance of it compensating is that that power center where its job is the empathic power center to feel everything that's going on on that subtle level is that 
chakra then goes into an overdrive. And essentially, that's the moment hypervigilance kicks in. And empaths, as children, become hypervigilant. They start to, on a subtle level, pay attention to everything that's going on in the, the environment around them because safety depends on it. And I need to pay attention, I need to be on alert, and I need to be attuned to everything outside of me so I know how to organize myself in this environment and space. That is the empathic pattern that repeats itself in adulthood where the upper body says, I don't want to be taking on the energy of the world or of other people, but the lower body has a mind of its own. It's playing that pattern. I need to be attuned to what everybody else is experiencing or thinking and feeling and meet those needs because my young self, the young consciousness in my body doesn't know any different. That's survival. That's how I've learned to exist. And so the solar plexus will do a similar in that the solar plexus also will open up and and start to read energy and will lose boundaries personal boundaries in the in the third chakra area of the body and will start to over digest i mean take in way more energy through the gut than the than the digestive system can handle and then we have digestive issues and you know gut related you know, imbalances going on. But essentially, these two power centers become imbalanced because the root chakra has gone into contraction very early on in life. And so our work as empaths, and I talk about this a lot in the book, is is to start to start to uh, reclaim the sense of safety and grounding and belonging in in the in ourselves in our own body no matter what our childhood looks like and and that we start to again relax into self and all the practices like breathing and meditation and mantra and you know all the practices help that process of grounding powerfully in mantra as we as we allow the root chakra to unfurl the second and third chakras actually can come into balance on their own with a lot less work than what we would, you know, than what we would need to if we were going to go into each of them and keep healing, keep working on the energy. Yeah, that is really, really true. I mean, children from ages zero to seven are at a very impressionable age, right? Because their brains are essentially in in a hypnagogic state so they can receive and download and that's why they learn languages so quickly because it's all about absorbing ideas and like you said you know uh, it could even be right they're in one room and someone's having an argument in the other room someone's abusing or maybe like a physical altercation maybe the adults don't mean that but the child has assumed and has taken it as truth how do we go about, first of all, ascertaining what exactly happened? Because this is pre-verbal, right? Um, deep down, maybe something happened when I was, you know, two and a half years old that I don't even, you know, recall. And part of the question is also, sometimes children have a very vivid memory. I know what happened when I was age three, age two, maybe age one. And for in my case, I don't have a lot of 
vivid memories. Does that imply something? Does that suggest something? So, <laughs> not really. I mean, you know, it's there. Uh, it's very common to not have m- m- much memory, you know, early, early on in life. And then there are people who say, "I remember being in the crib." It, I have a memory of being nine months old, and. I mean, that's, that's probably, um, in, I, in my experience, and again, maybe another expert would say something different, but in my experience, that's rare that someone would have a memory going back that far. But, um, but you know, I, the, um, so first of all, I want to say that um, there, is, it, there is incredible value in tuning in and going inward into, you know, even having an awareness of the chakras and what their job is and where we hold energy in those areas of the body and, and starting to understand, you know, what was my bonding experience with safety and, and connection and like, Ooh, I just remember, I didn't really feel that safe. I don't, I don't have a memory, but I have a feeling about that. And so we can, we can literally take some deep breaths and start and and allow ourselves to have an awareness of that feeling and uh, what i i do in in terms of clearing and energy work is just to visualize our grounding cord you know the grounding cord connection to the earth and just invite my body to breathe into that feeling allow it to exhale and release down the grounding cord and whether or not i have evidence of energy releasing or not I get a sense of feeling of release in my body. And then what I can do is start to feel into, well, what does safety mean to me right now? And then maybe I conjure up an image or maybe I have a safe place in my life right now. And, or maybe I don't, and I, and I can still conjure up an an image. You know, I could imagine being just wrapped in a blanket and just being held here as safe conjuring up those images and bringing the felt sense to the the cellular body does something it does rewire it does start to carve new neural pathways where we've been operating by default on the feeling of unsafety without even realizing it so as we consciously choose what you know what we're thinking what we're feeling you know what we can what we can repattern in our body. We are experiencing shifts. I love that uh, recommendation because part of it is also just thinking about, even if you don't remember, but just thinking about how you might have felt or sensed in those early years, and then doing some small steps that can help you feel more safe, help you feel more grounded. And it might not be a paradigm shift immediately. But with each exercise you do, you're making that small micro progress that ultimately will lead to that uh, change. And uh, Wendy, you also talk about uh, the importance of honoring the trauma healing process. So talk to us a bit about that. Yeah. So in, you know, it's in energy work. Um, So as an intuitive energy healer, we've been working with trauma as healers for a long, long time. It's just we've never called it trauma. We've called it karmic energy. We've called it past life. We've called it, you know, imprints. We've had other words in the, you know, sort of in the energy spiritual repertoire. But ultimately, it's trauma. I mean, trauma is, is, 
is it is it an experience that happened that we didn't have ca uh, the capacity the or even the the brain development to be able to process what was happening and or you know in, in influence impact on 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 us on a body mind soul level and later in life when it's safe we can process that trauma when our body finally says okay it's safe now to work with this, to process this. You know, trauma is significant in the field right now where we, we certainly, I mean, I think we all lived through the same 2020 year where, I mean, it was, it was one thing after another and we could probably pick many years. So we've experienced this. I certainly have felt like, wow, I just took a deep breath after processing that and I turn a corner and this next thing is happening and and the level of um, non-repair or the the level like the ability that we haven't been able to come down in our nervous system to repair or um, or, or recover from the previous trauma we stay in a fight-or-flight mode and so this is very much the temperature of what's kind of occurring in the field right now is that you know where we've got we've got adrenaline we've got fight flight or freeze there's a lot of trauma responses that are happening to our sensitive bodies and so it's our i believe you know so much of our evolution and growth is coming from being able to look at our personal traumas that are upheaving and you uh, and really making a concerted effort to do the healing work and process these traumas because it's important that we find our deeper self. And when we do that, we find our deeper self, we have a different relationship to our nervous system. Our, our, so to be clear, our soul, our spiritual anatomy and our soul underlies the nervous system. If underneath my nervous system i'm living with some past life karma around whatever it might be i mean you know feminine suppression or anything and i'm not processing that those wounds in my in my spiritual anatomy it's going to send signals to my nervous system to stay in hypervigilance or alert on on some level say and some reactivity but if I start to heal on that nervous system has to come in, you know, into some level of, um, of regulation from being dysregulated. It's one of the important reasons I feel that we need to be, you know, really, really working on our traumas. Action Tribe, before we proceed, I wanted to remind all of you that I'm hosting a live breathwork journey to send healing for my mom's recovery from COVID. As of recording this message, she is still on the ventilator and her lungs are really weak, although she's showing small signs of recovery. My intuition led me to organizing this Zoom event because I believe in the power of meditating together. This event is completely donation-based and the funds collected will be used towards her hospitalization expenses and rehab costs once she's back home. To read more and save your spot, visit my7chakras.com forward slash bring mom home. That's my seven is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash bring mom home. I really look forward to your support because together 
we can help my mom heal her lungs and come back home. Thank you so much for your love. Yeah, absolutely. Just like you pointed out, sometimes, especially because of what we're going through right now, it might feel like as soon as you solve one problem, the other thing comes about. And as soon as you complete that, something else is there, right? And it feels like a battle of, you know, stage one, stage two, stage three, and then boss level, just like the you know games that we used to play back in childhood. But I love that you mentioned that our spiritual journey is often intricately tied with our physical journey and our physical journey is our nervous system. And so if we're able to, after stage one, know how to maybe in a way heal ourselves or ground ourselves or go back into our root, then it's not like we are disowning our challenges, but at least we are showing up in a way that is uh, supporting us and nurturing us and allowing us to show up in life. No matter what challenges we go through, uh, you know, we are, at least we are from a physical standpoint, you know, better able to cope with these difficulties um you talk about different types of uh, trauma you talk about you know ancestral trauma or maybe trauma from a previous lifetime um my question to you is how do you know if the blocks is actually an ancestral trauma versus something else that might be holding us back and whether we actually need to know that Um, yeah, it's a great question. Do, um, do you need to know? Not always. Um, so ancestral trauma, um, and sometimes it's also referred to as intergenerational, uh, trauma, which ultimately is if, if the ways you can identify it is if, for example, um, I'll make something up the, um, the women in my family never um, never stepped into their power. Now, that's not actually entirely true in my family, but let's just say this. I was raised in a, in a family lineage where um, the women had to give up their, their power to the, whoever. And I knew in, and I identified inside myself that um, there's a, a feminine wound in my body and I give my power away. I over caretake. I'm the peacekeeper. I, you know, there, maybe there's a whole bunch of symptoms. I'm a perfectionist. I need, you know, I, all these different things, let's say. And then I think back, well, my mom was like that. And I actually remember her telling me stories of how her mom you know, was that way. Sometimes we have stories that we hear that get passed on that, that we have some awareness of maybe it's mother, maybe it's grandmother, maybe that's as far as it goes. And it's so sometimes those stories can tell us if something was just sort of passed on through the lineage. And sometimes we don't know if it was passed on through the lineage. We don't cognitively know sometimes intuitively we have a sense and how do we do that we close our eyes we tune in we feel into our body we feel into the issue or the the symptom we'll say of whatever's stirring and we can ask our soul you know how far back does this go how far back is it that i gave my power up and then we sit and we wait as long as it takes because sometimes it's not quick and we need to give it the time and that 
that time, maybe we sit for five, ten minutes and we wait for the for information. Maybe it's a picture. Well, I'm seeing an image of maybe it's my great great grandmother, and I don't have any I don't have any evidence of this, but I have an intuitive sense of it. And maybe my you know my great I'm starting to see back in these times where you know she's like you know, scrubbing the laundry over the wash bin and, you know, there's a war that's going on. You know, we start to start to let, like, let the picture emerge and open up. And what's important without, and again, we don't have to go into like past life regression here or anything, but what's important to access is when we start to look at these ancestral lines and lineages inside ourselves is that we're accessing the imprint of the emotion. We're accessing the depth of the powerlessness. I need to feel how hard, how scary, how difficult line in my family line to have their rights, to have their existence. And I need to feel that and process that and breathe into that. And then I also, for their sake and mine, need to say, I'm not doing that. I need to let this go. I need to breathe into it. And acknowledge that I, I'm not going to carry this anymore for the lineage, for the women in the family. It stops with me. stops here. And I'm going to take some deep breaths in into it. I'm going to, you know, clearing is a whole other subject here. But I'm going to let it go down my grounding cord. Or I'm going to cut the cord. Or I'm going to send the energy in a bubble. I mean, there's all different types of ways we can release it. And sometimes our own intuition will tell us. How do you want to release this? No, the source, not always. But if we get to the depth of the feeling, sometimes it's just a matter of making space for that emotion and then deciding and choosing that this is what I want to step into now. This is how I want to live in my body. Yeah, I think that's very, very useful. Just to sit down in silence and think back to previous generation the one before that and get some notice some trends maybe or maybe get that deep down knowing and uh, if it speaks to you say that this is not going to continue beyond me and then you know do the clearing which I which I absolutely love and if somebody is watching the live stream right now if you can take a moment to share this because in doing so you're gonna allow more people to come across this very useful very practical information that Wendy is sharing right now. So make sure you share this, share this post on YouTube. Um, Wendy, my question now is about soul contracts. Sometimes, prior to our previous, our present life, we might have certain soul contracts with that one person or two individuals because of some soul level learning that we crave. And that soul level learning uh, sometimes manifests as uh, illness. Sometimes it might manifest as financial difficulty, mainly because we have to go through that bump and then learn something. So any advice about uh, noticing or knowing if it's a soul contract? Yeah, I mean, in, in many ways, I, I think soul contracts are um, prevalent. I mean, I think there there are there's a lot of things that could be soul, our soul contracts from from the people we are in partnership with and we have, you know, our nuclear families with to people that trigger us incredibly <laughs> that are, you know, our, our best teachers <laughs> at the moment. They were contracted to, 
you know, for us to get triggered to, um, to life experiences, like you said, illness or, um, you know, different, different experiences that we might have. And, um, and it's sometimes, you know, what's interesting, this is such a great like bridge between trauma and soul contracts in that, you know, sometimes the spiritual, like it can be very helpful to acknowledge and know the spiritual um, contract. Again, sometimes the only way we access that is if we can tune in for ourselves or maybe work with a, an intuitive or a healer, someone who can identify maybe there's a contract. Um, and sometimes, so contracts can be very beneficial to know like, wow, I actually participated in this dynamic of which I have felt victimized. Like, I'm not a victim here. I actually played a part in this. I brought it on. And so I'm going to, you know, one of the ways we clear contracts is by taking responsibility for our part and saying, you know, I, I, I am taking back my energy for all the times in my life and in this situation where I gave you the impression that, you know, that I could take care of your energy. I'm so sorry I gave you that impression. That was not what I can do. I'm give, I'm taking my energy back now and I'm giving your energy back to you. And, you know, I'm, I'm identifying what our agreement must have been on a soul level and we're cutting, clearing the contract. The part where contracts can be very um, difficult is that we, we do need to be able to be in objectivity to identify and look at contracts. If we're really stuck in a human trauma and experience, contracts are not helpful, especially when it comes to loss. Like if somebody loses a loved one and they're grieving, coming in at the spiritual lens and saying, well, that was their contract might actually trigger and hurt and, and, you know, traumatize you know someone even more and so I think there's like a there's sort of a um just like discrepancy and when you know when do we want to talk about contracts and you know maybe maybe the loss of whomever two three years four years down the line we can look at the contract um if it's beneficial and helpful but sometimes in those really tender moments when someone is emotionally activated, sometimes the contract work, we might want to say, okay, let's put that aside and just really be here as an empath. And let me hug you and love you and give you, what can I do, offer you is more beneficial than going into the spiritual um, in that way. Um, and contracts are prevalent. They're, I mean, they are a part of so much. And I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I personally believe that everything is contracted because I believe in free will. I believe we do choose. We create our, we create a lot of our karma along the way too. Um, but we certainly do have karmic connections that we're contracted with to meet in this lifetime to do some of our most, um, most incredible and important work. Yeah. I think that's uh, some great useful information and advice about soul contracts because in acknowledging them you're also acknowledging the role that you played in that particular interaction or that challenge and so by taking your power back that's very 
empowering because you now know that you can take actions, you can take steps, you can change your thought patterns or belief systems to move in a different direction. And I completely agree that discussions of these kinds should be very nuanced and you need to know what to say at what moment. Sometimes it's it's just better to let the person grieve or cry or whatever it's needed for the present moment until they're ready to notice you know, uh, things from a higher vantage point and to read between the lines of how universe is working you know, through them for their greatest good. Um, now that we've spoken about all these um, important topics, what is your definition of clearing energy? Because that is, you know, you talk a lot about that as well, right? Yeah, so my um, my definition is the process of through breath and awareness um, and intention that we are going inward to where an energy block is stored in the body, which sometimes we, we access through our intuition, seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing, and that we identify where that block is in our system or that energy imprint is in our system. We, through breath and awareness, we, uh, we, we start to bring attention and breath into that wound or whatever it might be, and we start the process of clearing the consciousness of that wound. And it's through the exhale pattern in the body that we're letting the energy re release and exit from our energy bodies. Mm -hmm. And what role does processes like smudging play in all of this? Mm -hmm. Yes, also great. That's also energy clearing. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, um, the it it's a you know it's a tool. So I just want to be clear that you know spudging comes from indigenous cultures, um, and so we you know it's I know it's prevalent in in um, spiritual practices that we use it as a clarifying you know quality to it. So do other ones like Palo Santo and there's sweetgrass and other different um, herbs that you can burn to cleanse the, the, the space that have been used in ceremony to purify, to clear negative energy from the field and from our air, from the air around us. So um, I guess the definition I gave was specific to in, inside the body, but, um, but we can you know, we can certainly experience energy clearing through, um, through like you said, saging or, or um, smudging. We can also through essential oils, people experience clearing through certain types of, um, you know, supplements. People can go through transformation in the body and clear out old energy from their cells. And there's all different types of um, tools to access that transformation. And, um, we can clear energy through Reiki and through all, you know, there's, there's lots of different techniques to be doing it in our body and in our space around us. Yeah, that is very amazing because I've not dabbled too much into smudging. I do use essential oils, which I find really powerful. But like I mentioned, I went for that um, plant medicine ceremony of mushrooms. And over there, they did a lot of smudging, a lot of smudging. And I could feel, you know, just the gunk and the stagnant energy maybe that had collected in my 
aura in my uh, energy centers for maybe months or years just uh, clearing away it can be a little bit too intense initially but then once you get used to it it's it's such a purifying experience <laughs> yeah yeah and Wendy, you talk also about uh, using uh, journaling, right, to uncover maybe some subconscious patterns. And I love journaling a lot, but maybe could you talk to us about how journaling can help um, notice these patterns in our life and, and explore them? Yeah, especially if we approach our journaling from that intuitive writing perspective. Um, sort of another way of saying it is our stream of consciousness or letting the soul write the words down on the page. Um, another way of accessing that is by, by being more um, inquisitive, you know, and, and uh, you know, letting the soul, you know, ask the questions, you know, what soul, what do I, you know, what what's needed in my life right now and we start to journal out that information um when we approach journaling from that perspective it can be very healing it can be very validating um it can strengthen your intuition and it can be very cathartic to you know to let your soul speak on paper and then come back to that and maybe Maybe I know I'm in this boat oftentimes I have to like take my own medicine. Like, hi, I gotta, I've got to practice what I preach now. <laughs> you know, if I like write it down and I go I get a big aha, it's like I, I have to listen to that. You know, so um, journaling can be very cathartic, especially too after healing work or after clearing work. We can go to pen to paper and just start writing whatever comes out. It could be forgiveness. It could be anger. It could be, you know, inspiration. It could be deeper truth that comes out. It's very cathartic and to to do your, to do to journal. Yeah, absolutely. At the beginning of this year, I decided deep down that I want to really bring more sacredness into my journaling. So I I bought a really good notebook with good quality paper. Right, so that thicker variety of paper and about a fountain pen, not a ballpoint pen, but a nice fountain pen. Mm. Right, and uh, I just wrote a lot, you know, I just wrote a lot. And uh, also, after my, my ceremony, I just kept writing. Uh, this morning itself, during one of the coaching sessions, we were talking about journaling, and uh, my client asked, Have you done automatic writing? And it's so remarkable that you speak about it right now because I do want to get more into that automatic writing way of journaling because so far I've used a lot of prompts. What do I want more in life right now? If money and time were not an issue, what do I what what would I do more of and less of? And you know, what are the challenges in my life? So any other advice in terms of how to really get started with automatic writing and you know, connecting with your soul. Yeah. Absolutely. I just thought of a of a practice um, which I do talk about in my book, which is that front body which is how we engage in the world and also is part of our frontal cortex is so much about our, you know, it's our executive functionings. It's our organization. It's, it's, you know, it's a part of a brain. We need, we need that part of us. And the, um, and the journaling experience is absolutely back body. It's, and so what I recommend is that we have through the crown chakra of our body, we have our divine downloads we receive the shower of grace 
and it does flow up through front body and back body, but we, by default, we don't typically emphasize the back body. But that is where we go into introverted nature. That's, so I would actually recommend le closing your eyes and leaning back and allowing the shower of grace into the back body and the back side of your body. And it will touch in on all the back sides of the chakras also. But to just spend a few moments there connecting in that way through the back body. And that engages intuitive listening. It engages maybe pictures and images, which actually aren't frontal lobe. As much as we have the third eye here, a lot of the pictures and images come through the back side of the, the divine downloads. And so, I'm, you know, here I am. I'm about to start my journal practice. I'm just going to allow myself to receive and deeply intuitively listen to my higher self and see what words come through. And sometimes that grace that flows as it comes down, it comes into the heart space and then it opens up the arms, sort of that bilateral heart meridian that comes down our arms. And then we've got more flow coming through the hands and so when we come to journaling we sort of have this more engaged energetically and we can sort of write more from that stream of consciousness sort of higher self place that is a great great technique that i'm sure many of our listeners who are listening right now are going to try and as you said that you know what came to my mind was that i need a massage because a massage tends to be done on the back, right? And like you pointed out, right, it's all connecting the yeah. nervous system. In doing so, the person who is working with you is able to massage certain stuck, right, uh, muscles maybe or tendons in your body and releasing that stuck pattern, which I'm guessing would help you with your journaling. So that's what I'm going to do is do a massage in waterfront downtown Vancouver and get a coffee and just watch the beautiful Pacific Ocean and the mountains in the background and do some journaling. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so true, though. The back, When you do back massages back body, it does. It opens up the back body to allow more of that flow. Uh, absolutely. I love that. Cool, cool. <laughs> and so coming to the next question, you spoke how important grounding is because when it comes to an empath, the first three chakras are very important, the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus. So what role does grounding play? And then maybe how can somebody do a little more grounding in their lives to feel more connected, feel more centered? 
Yeah, so grounding uh, grounding is the process of being in connection with the earth element energetically. And so on a like very physio- physiological level, that is walking on the earth and being in nature and allowing the natural world, the, nat- the, the, the elements of nature to to connect and for our, our biorhythms to syncopate with the earth frequency and that we come down into our body. It quiets our mind. It might make us go to sleep, which is a good thing. Um, and so in a we have a lot less connection to the, to the natural world. You know, we're not, we're not farming. I mean, I'm making big generalizations here. So some people might be farming, but you know, not the majority of, of, of certainly in the United States might not be having their hands in the soil and growing our own food and, you know, doing things that are very, very grounding. And so what's important for our intuitive system is that we do find moments to ground into our body because grounding is coming down into our legs and feet, but grounding is also coming in to the central channel of our body. We, by default, move to the periphery of our energy field in our day on some level. The going inward, the closing our eyes is grounding, going inward to the central channel, and then allowing our energy to come down into our body is very healing for the heart, for the upper body, for when when we're too much in our heads and we need to maybe connect more to the heart or to the belly and bring our awareness deeper into embodiment. So, um, yeah, that's, that's some of the major benefits of grounding. Of course. Yeah. I love that you shared that we as human beings have progressed so much. We've got the best phones, we've got technology that can potentially send us to Mars and we've got everything that's possible. And yet we don't realize the own human technology that we have in terms of how our body is able to communicate with the earth and receive that healing and feel more centered and maybe we don't have the metrics right now to measure that grounding, but we can feel it. We feel so released, so relaxed as soon as we place our barefoot on the ground, on the soil or the sand. In fact, right after this, I'm going to the nearby park to meet a friend for some grounding. And maybe our listeners can take a moment to notice and think about how they can ground right now. Maybe they've forgotten about grounding over the last couple of months because it's been so stressful or anxiety-driven. But like you reminded us, it's important for that self-care to uh, ground sometimes. And I wanted to, you know, uh, give some love to some of the people that have been commenting over here. We've got Lara Bianco, who's been commenting, Carrie Stillman. She says, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to use that for sure. And Lara says, you're great, Wendy. I can really hear you. And these amazing comments. So if you have any questions, please add a comment below. I know a lot of you are watching us live. And Lara also says, we grew up in a very similar environment, except I was the youngest of five, but absorbed everything. Uh, So, sorry, were you saying something? (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you for saying that and sharing and sharing it. And I do, you know, I do believe that, um, you know, even if it wasn't exactly my, you know, my story in terms of a large family, it's, it's just important that we do recognize that, you know, we as empath sensitive beings, spiritual beings, 
were certainly raised, we weren't raised with necessarily it common language to the adults in our life around sensitivity and intuition and you know all of these you know this is pers- this is what boundaries look like like these things weren't taught to us we were raised with what was normal at the time and um you know we are in any more evolved time children now i mean these days there's more connection to emotions being taught in parenting books you know those sorts of books weren't didn't exist 40 something years ago um whole, whole like to the degree that they do now um so yeah i think it's important that you're we're making these connections mm. yeah parenting can be such a difficult job these days right because you always have somebody new who's coming up and talking or instructing you about a new way of parenting sometimes people say the old days were good yes. sometimes people say they were not good the new days are better some people say that you need to pay attention to your child's sensitivity some people say you're too sensitive so is there a middle ground or what are your thoughts on this how does a parent go about deciding yes. who to follow in terms of you know uh, taking care of their children because time is precious before you know it they're 7 years and 14 years and 21 <laughs> Right. Yes. I mean, so I'm a parent and what I'd say is that my parent, my daughter's current, she's six years old. And what I'd say is that whatever your personal struggle is in parenting, when you start to research questions like wanting to get more in, (laughs) how do I work with this issue? I mean, your child's going to be your best teacher. And so because they're going to trigger our stuff. And so when we start to say, well, you know, how do I work with this? My child isn't listening or there were in power struggles. When we start to research and look at um, who might be teaching on those particular topics, we can be drawn into the right resources that we might need. I will tell you from an empath, parenting empath perspective, and I, I certainly want to be clear is that um, I'm I'm not the perspective I'm coming from is not meant to wrong the um generations where we were receiving messages about you know children are meant to be seen not heard and you know not validating emotions that was appropriate for those times later in life and it's through all men it's through the rise of therapy and personal growth and healing work that we started to realize there's a lot of suppressed emotions that didn't get to be processed way back then because i didn't know it was okay for me to feel my feelings instead i just felt shame and so as adults we are processing not just old emotions but we're processing the shame of having them and so it's sort of multi-layered the other part to say this about about children um from an empath perspective if you do have a very sensitive child like i do being able to name the emotions and validate emotions is incredibly healing for a child it's very um, important for their development as a child but certainly as a sensitive child because empaths have learned young how to navigate the unspoken things were not clarified for many adults who who adult empaths who were children 
the, the experiences happened and they had to kind of navigate the messy, but they, but it, there wasn't someone saying, honey, that's my energy. That's mommy's feelings. That's not yours. That wasn't typical back then. And so, and I'm, again, I'm making big generalizations and there may be some ex exceptions to some, how some people were raised, but it's important for the children now that we're able to say, you know, this is, you're, this is anger, you're experiencing anger, and I know that mommy said something that, that you don't like, and I'm sorry that that upset you, and I'm going to let you have your emotion, or, you know, again, this is, I'm generalizing here, but when we start to give the child the permission, and, and just sometimes the language around the feelings that they're having, they're starting to develop emotional capacity. And that is important for empaths, again, who have learned how to just keep the peace and not have a feeling about anything and therefore get very overwhelmed in adult life when emotions are happening around them. Just the, 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 the young consciousness in the body doesn't have the skill around it. Not as like a, 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 a wronging, but that just didn't develop because there wasn't that parent saying that. And so, yes, so being able to say this is this feeling, you know, and, and naming emotions can be very important for, for children. That's kind of the beginning, too. There's more to say about the whole parenting book, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot for sharing that advice. Um, I'm sure many parents who are listening right now are able to use it and maybe try it in their households with their children. And Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's episode so far. And now you know a few more things about navigating the world as an empath and someone who is on the journey of accessing and strengthening their intuitive gifts. Know that it's never too late to realize that this is your path. Whether you're 25, 35, 45, 55, or even 65, if you're listening to this podcast, it means that now is the best time to start or continue your journey of trusting your inner voice. Because consciousness is the only reality and it is to there uh, that we must go to germinate a brand new expression of yourself. Your current reality is the result of months or even years of belief systems or recording thought patterns or emotions that have led you to where you are. So in order to change it, you need to go to the source and plant new intentions trusting that you are exactly where you need to be right now. Because as the award-winning author Paolo Coelho once put, intuition is really a sudden immersion of the soul into the universal current of life where the histories of all people are connected. And we're able to know everything because it's all written there. So think about that moment and realize that it is never too late. So, Wendy, it's now time for the last round for today, the Wisdom Round Four questions, like a rapid-fire round, so that our listeners can take note and take action. So what is the best piece of advice that you have received in your life? Oh, boy. Uh, the best piece of advice. Um, rest and the rest will come. Nice. And if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who is living or maybe not living, who would it be? It would probably be my dad. Yeah, he, he passed years ago, but yeah, you're my dad. And 
What is that one thing you do in the morning or maybe in the evening before you go to sleep that has improved the quality of your life? Meditation, for sure. Morning and evening meditation. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a game. It's a life changer. Wonderful. And mm-hmm. if somebody wants to get a grab, get a copy of your book, how should they go about doing it? You can go to my website. It's wendyderosa.com. And that's where you can find more information about my book. Um, the other place is my school, the school of intuitive studies.com. Either of those places. Wonderful. Sounds good. Action Tribe, I also wanted to mention that as a listener of our podcast, you get access to one credit for, from audible.com, which by the way, is one of the largest libraries of audiobooks so that you don't have to read the book, but you can listen to a book. And just like a podcast, you can have hundreds, thousands of books on your phone and listen to your favorite book. So why not grab a hold of Wendy's book by going to my7chakras.com forward slash free book, my7chakras.com forward slash free book. Just search for Wendy DeRosa and you know download her book and it's free. Right. So, uh, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on today's show, uh, talking to us about being an empath and sharing all these amazing techniques and stories that is uh, now going to be used by me as well as people who listen to our show. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are grateful for and how can we... You've already shared your website, so I'm going to put it on our uh, show notes, but you can share it once again. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. One thing, one thing I'm great. I'm grateful for a lot of things. Um, I think I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to support and connect with so many people who are stepping into their power and learning and growing and healing. I'm just, I'm really grateful to be able to, and and just be part of it. I feel like it is collect. It's symbiotic. You know, we're all doing it together. I'm grateful we are all doing this together. And my website, again, is wendyderosa.com. Awesome. So, Action Tribe, if you are on Instagram, and I know that many of you are, make sure that you take a screenshot of this episode and tag both me and Wendy. My handle is at my7chakras. And Wendy, your handle is? It's wendyderosa.com. Or, sorry, it's wendyderosa. Just can't the at symbol so tag both of us so that we can share your story uh, if you have any questions comments observations make sure you email me my address is aj at my seven chakras.com that's aj at my seven chakras.com and to check all our amazing episodes from the past go to our website my seven chakras.com um, so Andy, thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about so many amazing topics especially how to navigate this you know, global situation as an empath and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Mm, Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at My7Chakras.com That is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.